am so hungry. I'm so hungry. Let me eat your brain. did not drink from me. Yes, this is live, folks. Or at least it's not really, it's not live live, but it's sort of live, sort of live. From the dark, dirty nether regions. 
of the Rust Belt. It's Occupy Your Mind, the Occupy Your Mind podcast. Thank you so much for listening, my wonderful invisible listeners. I am playing guitar live for this podcast because my computer died, my um, hard drive out and it was very mysterious because so now I'm using my phone I'm using my phone to record this which I don't like to do I prefer to use my computer but right now I'm using my phone so I thought oh you know what since I can't access the music that I record for the podcast I'll just play music live for it and this will inspire me because as a musician like a lot of musicians I'm not very happy right now because we can't perform right us all locked down and curfewed and uh, kept in fear. So here I am recording another episode and let's hope the, the sound levels are okay. Now I have to be careful. I have neighbors and the houses are close together where I live. <laughs> so this, this, uh, this scuffle with Dracula that I just had, my neighbors overheard it. They, they might, might think that I'm being attacked. So <laughs> be careful. I don't want them to call the police. My neighbor's getting attacked. Anyway, how are you, my wonderful invisible listeners? Um, I hope all is well. So this is going to be this this podcast is going to be a little off the cuff. Um, usually, I pre-record everything and edit it, and I probably won't be able to edit this one. Um, so, what I wanted to to uh, talk about is what went on last week, which was the greater reset. Never mind the great reset, the greater reset, thegreaterreset.org. Derek Bros and John Bush put that together, I believe, and they did a great job, and I really so much appreciate what they did. You can watch the replay of the videos by going on thegreaterreset.org. Now, I was, I was watching, I watched most of the videos and downloaded them on my computer, and that's when my hard drive died. So I get a little paranoid sometimes, you know, because I saw the Event 201 video. Event 201 was a pandemic preparedness uh, discussion, that um, presentation that the you know, powers that be were involved in right before, coincidentally, right before this so-called pandemic scandemic, whatever you want to call it, appeared, and they basically said at the end of Event 201 that they had a plan to shut down the internet, to stop people from interacting, and um, so with my internet going off and my computer um, hard drive dying, coincidentally, after I tried to participate in the Greater Reset (laughs) and the Freedom Cells, another site you need to go at, freedomcells.org, um, I don't know, you know, I just, uh, it's a coincidence, it's an odd coincidence that, you know, I started having computer problems after, you know, accessing those sites, especially since their website was attacked, and the freedomcells.org site was down for a little while, because they were attacked, so, anyhow, <clears throat> what I do want to talk about briefly, excuse me, <clears throat> like I said, I'm probably not going to edit this, because I'm recording it on my phone, so uh, I apologize for coughs and poor audio, poor audio quality, if that does happen. Um, what I wanted to do uh, today uh, is just to pop on 
because I'd been away from, because of my computer problems, been away from recording podcasts for a little bit. Wanted to talk to you about why I think it's very important that we form communities. Those of us who are concerned about what's going on, we don't want to participate in the so-called Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, and just wealthy, privileged millionaires and billionaires. Um, these are multi-millionaires. These are these are extremely wealthy people. You know, these are not um, even necessarily just wealthy people. They're the wealthiest of the wealthy, and their plans for us, their evil plans for us. Um, of course, they're going to tell the average person who seems to believe everything they see on TV. <laughs> they're going to tell that average person, uh, we're here to help you. We're going to end racism and, and sexism, and, and we're, going to le- we're going to make life better for all of you. <laughs> we're going to you know, stop climate change, and we're going to uh, you know, uh, feed the starving children. But the, what they don't tell you is we're going to feed them uh, poison, <laughs> basically. They don't tell you what they're going to feed the starving children. Anyway, so, um, you know, if you want to trust millionaires and billionaires and you believe that these wealthy, privileged people care about you, well, you know, I can't help you. This, you know, I, I really can't. I don't know why anyone would believe that, but okay. That's something that you want to believe. Um, but if you're like me and you are a little skeptical that millionaires and billionaires are, are really out for our best interest, then then listen up. What my feeling is right now is that those of us who are concerned about what's going on, we just need to leave. We need to leave this society and start our own independent communities. Now, I'm going to present an argument for why I feel this way. Uh, and first again, I'm going to give you the, the website, the websites that I, I mentioned earlier, thegreaterreset.org and freedomcells.org. Um, if you're interested in starting an independent community, I urge you to go on those websites you know, the fact that they were attacked, that their website was shut down for a while, I think really speaks volumes. I mean, it, it speaks to the fact that they're doing some good. <laughs> you know, that is so much so that the powers that be are threatened by what they're doing. Um, and, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of interesting information on those sites. Um, and, of course, Freedom Cells, you can meet other like-minded people. Um, and network with people and find out find some people who you can with whom you can start a community and excuse me <clears throat> again once once again my feeling is we need to get some land you know or somebody if somebody has some land maybe they'll want to share their land with us you know share it or donate it or rent it out to us or what or sell it to us whatever you know we need to get some land and start planting some tiny homes or some campers or yurts or whatever on that land and we need to just start building a new community and just forget about this one um there's nobody to vote for you know there's nobody to write to it's just pointless i have written numerous uh, emails to um senators and um my governor and it just it just goes nowhere they they simply don't care what we think they're just doing what they want to do and um anyway i i just i just really i've personally just given up on this system completely voting is not going to make any change there's no point in voting excuse me there's no point in in my opinion um and and even bothering to to express opinions um it, it just might I, I personally feel like I'm vulnerable living in New York State, and it's unfortunate that I live in New York State right now. Um, Governor Cuomo, 
I've written to him many emails um, and and my my senators you know about um, a I think it's one 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 seven nine and a four one six two laws they've been looking at here in New York State um, the and again I'm going by memory I think I have that, <laughs> those numbers correctly correct again a lot of my stuff's on my computer which again died on me um, but a you know the, the first one the first law is mandatory vaccines in New York State and the second one is um, a law a416 allows um, the government to just decide your you pose a health risk to people in your community and they should be able to just take you out basically um, so anyhow um, I have I, my understanding is that neither law neither law has been passed and there's not a you know a what I'm hearing is there's not much of a chance that they will get passed. They're just kind of sitting there, um, frightening people, basically. It's just the fact that the laws are there, sitting there, um, and being even considered on some level is just scary to people. And maybe that's just what they want, is for us to be afraid, you know? It's just something they're holding over our heads, like, we might do this to you, ha, 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 you know? Um, anyway, so the laws have not been passed, but there is a concern, you know, that they could be passed or similar laws could get passed. Just, just the fact that those laws are there um, in New York State. Um, so, um, anyhow. <clears throat> What I'm trying to say, I guess, is that um, I personally just have no hope for this system at all, and I think we just need to leave it and go off the grid and start our own independent communities. And I think we can do it. It will not be easy, but but I think it's doable. Um, now, I'm going to give you this, this, this uh, argument as to why I believe this, okay? First of all, <clears throat> excuse me, uh... When, uh, after 9-11 happened, you know, George W. Bush was president at the time, okay? He made dramatic changes in this country, uh, very unconstitutional. Uh, he violated the U.S. Constitution many times, did uh, really, really bad things, actually. He brought back torture. Torture had not been condoned and accepted by Western society for centuries. And in one fell swoop, George W. Bush just brought it back and said, uh, you know what, it's enhanced interrogation and we need to do this to get information out of our prisoners. Um, so he just brought back torture, you know, just like that. Um, the TIPS program, Total Information Awareness Program, a program that George W. Bush brought in where people were encouraged to report on their friends and relatives and neighbors and, um, you know, uh, report them to the government as being potential terrorists or potential threats at the time. Um, very unconstitutional, very frightening, frightening law. And I understand it didn't, it didn't, uh, my understanding is that law did not stay in effect for very long, that a lot of people, um, uh, you know, did not go along with it, did not like it. So it, that, that uh, TIPS program um, I don't know if it was really a law, but it was a, it was it was some kind of program, total information awareness program. Um, it didn't stay in effect for very long, from what I understand. But just the fact that that was proposed, that was put out there, the real ID, so-called real ID, national ID card, which uh, centralizes and federalizes the tracking of individuals, um, our IDs, 
um, that is supposed to be the state's job to track um, citizens, to keep track of citizens. Very important because we need um, to, the, the idea is to limit the federal power. Why? Because when power is centralized, um, it's easier for power to to get wielded over the people. So uh, we are, we're supposed to have a system that d- uses the divide and conquer strategy over the government. So that the government is divided so that the government can never get too much power over the people, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but... But essentially, um, the real ID, so, so-called real ID, national ID, is unconstitutional. <clears throat> and it's still in effect. And a lot of states, like New York State, that claimed, again, for partisan politics reasons, you know, oh, we're Democrats, so we're against what the Republicans are trying to do. The Republicans are taking away our civil liberties. So we're not for that. So states like New York that are Demo- blue states... Uh, resisted it, but now New York State's going along with it. All states are going along with it because, again, this is nonpartisan. As I've said many times in previous podcasts, this is not a Democrat versus Republican, right versus left issue. Be very, very wary of anyone who says this is this is about left versus right, Democrat versus Republican. It's just not. It's not. Both sides are in on this. Please believe me. I am a former Democrat. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me, old school liberal, you know, against war, wanting equal opportunities for women and minorities, uh, wanting to level the playing field, um, very much against racism and sexism and classism and all these isms, (laughs) because they hold people back. And I just want people, I want to eliminate human suffering as much as possible and make the world a better place. I'd like to make the world a better place. And I think most people would, actually. I think most of us would agree we want to make the world a better place place. And that's what being a quote-unquote liberal used to be about, was just standing up for the underdog, the people who, for whom the system is not working, you know. And now suddenly the so-called liberal, progressive movement, whatever you want to call it, it's been um, infiltrated. Um, it's been taken over by the powers that be. Um, but anyhow, um, so here we go. So we, so George W. Bush, torture, tips, real ID, national ID, um, Patriot Act, of course, as I'm always telling you about the Patriot Act, <laughs> um, was passed. It was supposed to be temporary, just like the coronavirus lockdowns, right? Um, and now it's been almost a year since we've been <laughs> locking down for this coronavirus. Clearly the masks and social distancing are not working, right? Because almost a year later, they're saying we still have a problem. <clears throat> Excuse me, I apologize, I'm losing my voice. Um, so, um, the Patriot Act, it's been almost 19 years now, still in effect. Uh, took away our right to privacy, took away our Fourth Amendment right. Read the Fourth Amendment, we'll, we'll talk about it on a future podcast. But go ahead and take a look at the Fourth Amendment and the right that we used to have um, to our privacy. Um, lots of changes, very dramatic changes happened in this country. Surveillance cameras were put up all over the place, mainly in big city areas. If you live in a rural area, you might not notice it as much. If you live in an affluent area, you might not notice it as much because it's mostly poor people who need to be under surveillance for some strange reason. Um, And um, 
Yeah, and they're spying on our bank accounts, you know. Um, I, after the Patriot Act was passed, you know, a few years after it was passed, I remember one time my um, there was a hold on my bank account. I couldn't withdraw all the money I wanted to withdraw um, because of the Patriot Act. Homeland Security is monitoring our bank accounts, and they thought there was unusual activity on my account. So they <laughs> the unusual activity was me just, you know, making too many withdrawals or something. So, yeah, they're spying on that, um, and that should have been a tip-off to people right there that something was wrong, but nope, nope. Oh, I don't care if the government spies on me. Um, it's just the government, and they're just trying to keep me safe. I've heard that over and over again from people. That's really what I've heard over and over again from people. So, um, anyway, um, another law I wanted to mention, too, is that that went through when George Bush, George W. Bush was president. Again, remember, he was a conservative Republican, who believe, you know, and they, they claim to be wanting small government, right? So again, just like the liberals now are not acting like liberals, the conservatives were not acting like conservatives when George W. Bush was president. They were neoconservatives. And I would argue we're dealing with neoliberals right now. But they're not really, you know, I'm what liberals were supposed to be basically against war wanting democracy wanting people to have a voice all people regardless of skin color and class status and gender and all those things so um but you know the so-called liberals we're dealing with now are are neoliberals at the same at that time when george w bush was president we were dealing with neoconservatives um Clearly, because conservatives claim they want small government. George W. Bush made the government a lot bigger. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. So one of the one of the other things, the very important thing to think about is that um, there was a law passed, and again, I don't have computer access right now, so I can't even look up look this up to find out the exact name and date and all that. But there was a law passed that um, allowed the president of the United States to declare a national emergency and to declare a state of emergency and then to make himself a dictator in time of time of an emergency in order to deal with that emergency. Don't believe me? Look it up. This law was passed when George W. Bush was president. Okay? And it was pointed out by many of us who were very concerned and alarmed by this law that a similar law had been passed in Germany right before Hitler took over. It was that law that Hitler used to take over Germany. A law that says you, um, as leader of the country, can declare yourself dictator, declare a national emergency, and then use that to declare yourself as dictator. Very similar law was used by Hitler, again, to get into power in Germany. So my point is just all these things happened when George W. Bush was president. Oh, the internment camps to FEMA camps built. All those things happened. Again, I'm nonpartisan, okay? I am nonpartisan. I am telling you this to let you know that both Democrats and Republicans are in on this, okay? Joe Biden was the architect the original architect of the Patriot Act. You can hear Chris Hedges, journalist Chris Hedges, talk about this. He's the one who originally wrote up um, what is thought of as the laws that was the, the writing that was used for the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act is a huge document. It couldn't possibly have been written right after 9/11. 
clearly it had been written ahead of time <clears throat> and prepared ahead of time and they were just looking for an excuse to put it forth so um joe biden president now <laughs> he's the one who uh who who started that so again both democrats and republicans are in on this both sides okay we have nobody there's nobody's going to rescue you donald trump's not going to rescue you and certainly joe biden is not going to rescue you um and this has been um this has been going on um for a long time and um certainly um obama when he was president he did not undo these things that george w bush did he ran on hope and change so people elected him thinking oh he's going to change things he did not change things um he ran on hope and change but nothing changed um it's all just a just a facade you know and i and i understand a lot of people who are african american probably felt good about having a a black man president you know probably gave them some encouragement and that's nice but ultimately it doesn't change your life right you know um it doesn't change your life if you have a black man as president and he doesn't do anything to actually help black people <laughs> or any people you know um he you know he just he did not undo what George W Bush did he actually furthered it he furthered it along so then he passed the National Defense Authorization Act which allows the government to just arrest you for any or no reason and just detain you um and you could just be held in some secret prison somewhere and nobody knows where you are and um and that's it that's the end of you <laughs> you have no right to a trial or a lawyer or anything um so these this has been going on for many years now this effort to take away our civil liberties and some of us um have been protesting i've been protesting um the patriot act for many many years now and and as i said it's been 19 years since it was passed 19 years 19 years and the democrats extended it recently using the coronavirus as an excuse guess what there's always going to be an excuse cuz guess what the world is not a perfect place there's always going to be a problem there's always going to be a virus or a terrorist attack or a war or somebody doing something we don't like and they can always use that as an excuse. So, um, you know, my point is just that I I've, I've been dealing with this for a very long time. So, excuse my frustration, but it's just when you find yourself protesting against something for years and years and you keep telling people, "Oh my god, this law is going to lead us to, you know, something like out of George Orwell's 1984. You know, we're going to be under mass surveillance. We're not going to have any freedom. It's going to be this this law is killing us. And I've been talking about this for years with people. And all I get from people is you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. You're a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> you're crazy. Oh my gosh. Why are you so paranoid? It's just the government. It's just the government watching us. And they're doing it to keep us safe. They're going to keep us safe. Safe from terrorism. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I get the people who say, "Well, nothing bad's happened to me. I'm doing okay." So, why should I worry if, you know, if if something happens to somebody else, they must have done something wrong. That's why. You know. Um, and that to me, that shows ignorance of history right there. When I hear that one, I'm thinking you don't know anything about history because if you knew 
anything at all, even if you just knew about the Holocaust, you know, and, and what Hitler did, you got to know that the Jewish people were innocent. They didn't do anything wrong. Um, they did not deserve what happened to them. Uh, so what's your point? You know, you think that the U.S. government is somehow different from every other government that's ever existed throughout history. And that, you know, um, giving up all of our freedom and letting the government spy on us is okay. Um, anyway, it's, it's just amazing. But this is the, the, my point is just that I've been protesting this for many, many years, and a lot of other people have, and I've actually had friends tell me. One friend in particular told me, in a few years, we're going to end up in a full-blown totalitarian police state, like something out of Orwell's 1984. He told me that several, like, gosh, it was like over 10 years ago, I had a friend tell me that, okay? And at the time, I thought, no, that won't happen. We're going to undo this. You know, I was still hopeful, you know? And, you know, I have tried and tried throughout my life to protest this stuff. I've tried informing people and getting people to see how dangerous um, all this mass surveillance is. And, and people just don't care, I'm telling you. You go to work, you're under surveillance. I had a friend tell me, oh yeah, well they told me where I work, you know, that they're spying on us all the time. And, you know, they can see us, you know, through the cameras, they can, you know, narrow in on us and see our faces up close and they can watch every move we're making and you know that's okay it's gonna keep me safe you know because yeah because the workplace is so dangerous you know they have us all convinced you know anytime anything bad happens they give it a lot of publicity so the rare case of somebody in you know grabbing a gun and showing up for work and shooting their co-workers I mean that, that just doesn't that's very, very rare. But if that happens, they give it a lot of publicity, and then, then we're supposed to be afraid to go to work, right? And beg our employer to please keep us under surveillance so that if one of our coworkers shows up with a gun, we'll be safe. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just amazing. And of course, a lot of these acts of violence result from social injustice, you know, from employers who treat their employees badly, you know, um, from problems at work that are not handled and managed properly, from problems in our society that are not handled and managed properly. Um, but that takes intelligence to figure out and to think about, so maybe I shouldn't mention it. <laughs> um, my, I guess I, in my long-witted way, and I do apologize if I'm being long-witted, again, I'm not, I can't edit this podcast because I'm just recording it on my phone, but what again, what I'm trying to say is I've just you got to excuse my, my, please excuse my frustration. You know, I've just been protesting this and protesting this and protesting this over a period of many years. And no matter how bad things get, no matter how many surveillance cameras get put up and how many limitations get put in place on our civil liberties, on our freedom, you know, I still get the people who say, well, they're just doing that to keep us safe, you know. And I have nothing to worry about as long as I'm not doing anything wrong. I still get that. So, you know, it almost seems to me that even if people got dragged out of their homes kicking and screaming and were thrown into detention camps, concentration camps, and we repeated what happened during the Holocaust right here in the United States of America and had another Nazi Germany here, Nazi America, I, I guarantee you we would still hear people say that. We would still have to listen to people say, well, you know what, the reason why they dragged that person out of their house is because they weren't, you know, they weren't doing something that they were supposed to be doing, and, you know, they're just doing that to keep us safe, you know, and I, yeah, yeah, yeah.
So, my point is, people are who they are. You know, we really do, we have a society filled with people who know nothing about history or very little about history, who are not capable of thinking critically, who are not capable of thinking independently. You know, people have been trained to obey authority. And it's not just coming from schools. I I believe in education, so I guess I'm biased. I think education is a good thing. Um, But... Um, you know, it's just our whole society set up that way, you know. Anyway, um, so this blind obedience to authority, you know, and a lot of it has to do with it's who you know and not what you know. And that's been true for a long time in this country. You know, in order to succeed, you have to know the right people is, is what they say, but what they really mean is you need to be kiss up to the right people. You need to kiss up to power. You can't speak truth to power and succeed. You know, you've got to be somebody who um, makes friends with the wealthy and the powerful in order to succeed. Then um, that's been true for a very long time in our society. And nothing changes. Again, the average person just doesn't get it and maybe never will. And that's my concern. And that's why, that's my first reason why my first reason why I think we need to form our own separate communities and go off the grid and just get out of this society is that the average person just doesn't get it we've had a lot of very frightening and disturbing attacks on our civil liberties on our bill of rights and a lot of people don't know the history about the constitution the constitution was not very democratic to begin with It just wasn't. It gave too much power to the government. And the Bill of Rights were written, um, added onto the Constitution to get the colonists to sign on to it. Most of the colonists would not sign on to the Constitution. They were against it because it was not democratic enough. The Bill of Rights are the first ten amendments to the Constitution, and that is what made the Constitution uh, democratic. So the Fourth Amendment is a part of that. Um, the Bill of Rights, and it guarantees us the right to privacy. Why? Because all throughout history, (laughs) all throughout history, one of the first things that dictators do is they spy on people. Why? Because dictators force their, their policies on people. It's forced. You know, they're not going along with what the people want. They're forcing their own agenda onto people. And when you force your agenda on people and you don't listen to people, um, you have to, um, you know, always worry about people rebelling against you. So um, that fear of rebellion means that you have to um, find out who the rebels are, you know, and, and eliminate them or stop them somehow from rebelling. So, um, dictatorships always, uh, they always uh, spy on people to find out who the rebels are so that they can stop them from, from influencing people, it, whether it's, it's not necessarily just killing them, but maybe stopping them from speaking, you know, preventing them from speaking or disenfranchising them in some way so that they're marginalized or they're made to, you know, other people think that they're crazy and don't listen to them. You know, there's a lot of different ways to um, stop uh, 
people from speaking out. <clears throat> so that's why the Fourth Amendment is is so important. Um, it protects our right to privacy and does not allow the government to spy on people without a warrant. You know, the government could, can spy on people and law enforcement can spy on people, but only if they can show that um, they have a reason to, that the person's committed a crime in some way. And, and that's, that's, you know, that seems reasonable because, you know, what if somebody's a serial killer, you know, and, you know, and they, they know this person's a serial killer, but they need more evidence against the person in order to, um, you know, to stop them. So maybe they need to spy on the person to collect more evidence and whatnot. Um, so, so the government's always been able to spy on people, and I'm sure that that was abused even before the Patriot Act was passed, right? But the point is that the Patriot Act basically legitimized it and made it legal, and now we've got incredible mass surveillance, not just from the government, but there's private surveillance companies. There's a big industry behind surveillance, and your neighbor might be spying on you, you know, might be using a drone to spy on you or hiring a private um, surveillance company. You know, there's one near me that advertises that they'll spy on your ex, you know, <laughs> for you, you know, or, or your spouse, if you think your spouse is cheating on you, you know, so there really is a huge industry behind mass surveillance now. And so, you know, and the, 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 the potential for abuse behind that is huge, just huge, but the average person doesn't get it, as I said. So that's one reason why we need to start our own communities. I just don't see people turning around. I mean, if people haven't figured out now, it's been almost a year, almost an entire year since uh, we've been told we needed to lock down temporarily for, um, for a virus. You know, um, and um, it's hard to imagine that there's a pandemic going on now. Maybe there was last year in March. Maybe. I mean, I'm starting to question whether anything really occurred at all, whether the whole thing might have been a lie. Um, but in any case, by, by this time, nearly a year later, come on. You know, there's no reason to be locking down right now. And if people are not smart enough to figure that out, then, you know, it's just, it's just not happening quickly enough. We cannot change people's minds quickly enough. So we need to get a support system. Um, now, here's my, so, so that, so again, my first reason for why I believe we need to start our own independent communities is there have been so many dramatic attacks on our civil liberties. We've lost so many civil, civil liberties at least here in the United States and around the world. And after 9-11, surveillance cameras went up all over the world, too, in other countries. And you have to ask the question, why? They were not attacked on 9-11. So why did they put up surveillance cameras? Why did other countries pass laws similar to the Patriot Act after the United States was attacked on 9-11? What's the reason, what's the explanation for other countries passing a Patriot Act like law and putting up surveillance cameras. So, you know, the point is this happened and we and we the people allowed it. You know, not enough we couldn't get enough people to protest. Again, you know, I've been protesting and protesting for years and years and it's just hurt me. It's 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 damaged that's another thing I want to say. It has hurt me and my it's damaged my life. Why? Because I'm usually the only one. The only one. So, you know, I did things like I'd apply for a job and they'd want me to, 
to, you know, take a drug test as a part of the job or, um, you know, do these um, thorough criminal background checks on me and, and then I'd, you know, go to work under constant mass surveillance and things like that. And I, I resisted it initially. I tried not to take on jobs like that. And, you know, and I just ended up unemployed, <laughs> you know. I mean, it just got to a point where I realized I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to succumb to this. I'm going to have to work under mass surveillance. I'm going to have to get the drug tests. And, you know, for one job, I had to have my fingerprints taken for a job. Um, I had to have a physical done for a job. I had to report every place I've ever lived. They wanted to know all the addresses and cities and states that I've lived in in my entire life for a job. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is this is a very big violation of privacy. I mean, I could see if you were um, running for president or um, applying to work for the FBI as an FBI agent or something. You know, then you know, then th- more thorough investigation might be needed um, <clears throat> for, for, for a secure job like that. But for a lot of jobs that, are, you know, really are just not, you know, <laughs> you know you're not really handling, uh, you know, s- you know, secure um, uh, information that, you know, that threatens national security, and yet they're still requiring all these things from you. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It just doesn't make sense. <sighs> Anyhow, so... Um, I hope I'm not being long-winded here. I'm going to have a little musical interlude. How about that? that out of my system so so yeah so like an even you know a friend of mine started his own business and he said he decided he was going to do criminal background checks on people that he hired Um, again out of fear it's fear-based you know uh, I don't want to hire somebody who's gonna cause trouble for me but I guess my feeling is sorry I'm getting caught up in the music here my, my feeling is that, you know, somebody could pass a criminal background check and still cause trouble for you and your company. You know, they could still be a criminal, you know. They just haven't gotten caught yet. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not a criminal, but, you know, I, I just worry about, you know, someone doing these thorough background checks. I'm wondering what kind of information they're digging up on me and why can they do that and I can't do that for them. You know, I think that if they can do a thorough criminal background check on me, I should be able to do that on them. So whenever I apply for a job, the person who's doing the criminal background check on me, I should be able to do, at the same time, a criminal background check on them and find out everything about them and every place they've ever lived and every place where they've worked and what they've done in their past, you know. And there used to be a time, actually, when employers were only allowed to ask certain questions of your previous employer. They needed to ask, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they, they could ask um, uh, what dates you worked for them and 
what your job title was and your job description was maybe and um, how long you worked for them and what your salary was. They could ask you questions like that and they were not allowed, they were not allowed to ask other questions about you, okay? And that's again because we had a right to privacy. We did at one point in this country. There was even a, there was even a law called the Privacy Act here in the United States. So we actually had those rights and we lost them. And you know what, it just holds people back. It really does, it just makes it harder, that much harder for people to get jobs and to succeed. So why are we allowing this? We're, you know, <clears throat> again, <clears throat> we've got the apathy. Americans just don't care. You know, I mean, most people just don't care. Nothing bad's happened to me, so I'm okay. And uh, as long as I'm not doing anything wrong, I don't have anything to worry about, again. So, on to my, my second reason. So that was my first reason why I believe, my very long-winded reason. And uh, my long-winded reason as to why we need to start our own communities. And, you know, feel free to leave me a comment. Go to anchor.fm forward slash occupy your mind. And then I think if you can't find it, you can put forward slash message after that. You can actually leave a message for us here at the Occupy Your Mind podcast on anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash Occupy Your Mind. Um, so let's see, I'm getting a message here. Try the minimum recording time for segments is 60 minutes or the maximum recording time. Okay, all right, so I'm gonna run out of time pretty soon. <clears throat> all right, because I'm using my phone, <laughs> so I'm limited. All right, so my second reason why we need to form our own communities is that unfortunately, one of the ways that they have brainwashed us is they've actually had us socially distancing for many years now by um, uh, teaching us that uh, rugged individualism, you should think about yourself and the heck with everybody else. And there's tons of propaganda about that, um, that we're flooded with all the time about people who practice self-reliance and the danger of collectivism. Watch out for collectivism. Collectivism is not dangerous. That's okay. I know I'm going to get libertarians attacking me on that probably, but it's not. You know, we need, as, as human beings, we've always survived by cooperating getting along. There's nothing wrong with collectivism, and I actually don't agree with that notion of the tyranny of the majority. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I don't believe in the tyranny of the majority. Right now, we have the tyranny of the minority. We do. We've got a minority of extremely wealthy people who are trying to take over the world. You know, we don't have tyranny of the majority. And I would argue that if the majority of people knew what was going on, if we had access to accurate information, if our media was doing its job and not so heavily censored by the minority, and if our educational system were not so heavily censored by the minority, that the majority of people would resist all of this. The only reason why so many people are going along with it is that they're ignorant and they're brainwashed. So that's my feeling, but you know what? I don't really want to argue with libertarians right now because I agree with the libertarians on the dangers of this mass surveillance state. Um, I think it's very frightening and disturbing, and I think we do need we need to come together. 
Um, and coming together is, you know, being <laughs> collectivists, whether you like it or not. Um, and I think, I think that we've just been brainwashed to think about our own self-interest, to not care about the greater good, to not care about what, what's going on with other people. And that's where this idea comes from. You know, nothing's happened to me. You know, as long as I'm not doing anything wrong, I don't have anything to worry about. It comes from that self-centered notion, you know, that's all about me. I don't have to care about what's happening to other people. Um, you know, uh, and, and just a lack of understanding of how what happens to other people affects us. It does. And we do need to, to, to think about what's happening to other people. But we've lost that ability. We've lost that ability to cooperate. Um, I think I have time to tell you a little story. Uh, last year, I got hurt. Um, I had an injury, a really bad injury. And um, I, um, it, it was, it was pretty bad. And I, I was, I was hobbling down the street with crutches and I, I walked in my crutches. It took me a very long time, <laughs> walked to the supermarket and bought some groceries and hobbled back home. And a little girl who lived near me saw me walking down the street with my crutches, carrying groceries and my crutches. And she felt really bad. And this kid was maybe, I don't know how old she was, somewhere around 10, 9, 10, 11, uh, maybe even 12, I don't know, little bitty kid. And uh, she stops and she says, I must help you with her, her little Bangladesh accent. And I said, I'm fine. It's all right. I, I'm okay. Thank you for your offer, but I'm, I'll be fine. No, no, no. I must help you. I must help you now. And she grabs my bag and she carries it back to my house. Now, this little girl, you know, she was so sweet. I was really blown away by how sweet she was, how kind and caring. None of my American neighbors offered to help me. You know, she was a little immigrant girl from Bangladesh. She, you know, talked to me for a few minutes, told me her story, um, and, you know, about, you know, how she came to the United States. And, you know, I got to tell you, the immigrants, they got it. They know how to form communities, and they know how to help each other and cooperate, you know. And this little girl just helped me for no reason. She didn't want money. She didn't want anything in return, you know. I half wondered when she grabbed my bag whether she was going to steal it or something because if she were an American kid, that's probably what, what, what it would have been. You know, she would have grabbed my bag to steal it. You know, I'm sorry to say it, but we are so trained to think about ourselves. You know, it's all about acting in our own self-interest and the heck with everybody else, you know, that when something like this happens, like, you know, you get an injury and you're hobbling down the street with crutches, <laughs> hopefully that won't happen to you, um, and you are carrying heavy groceries, you know, the average American won't do a thing to help you. And it's not just because they don't care about you, it's because they're filled with fear. They're consumed with fear and they're thinking, oh, if I stop to help this person, what if they're a psycho? What if they attack me? What if something bad happens, you know? And I am also gonna be thinking if someone does stop to help me, what if they're they they're just trying to take advantage of me? They're going to try and steal, steal. They're going to steal my bag of groceries. They're going to steal my wallet. Whatever, you know. That's what I mean when I'm talking about how we've been brainwashed as a society to socially distance, to be afraid of each other, and to have reason to be afraid of each other. 
So in other words, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We're taught to be afraid of each other. The average American, you know, your fellow American, your neighbors, don't talk to your neighbors. Don't talk to people in your community. They're all potential criminals, rapists, murderers, child molesters. What if they molest your children? What if they break into your house? You know, or maybe they're terrorists, or maybe they have coronavirus, you know. Um, we're constantly being brainwashed by our mass media sources, by the people in power, to be suspicious of each other, distrustful of each other, basically, and to pass judgment on each other, to look down on each other. Oh, look at that bum, you know, he's not even working. Why doesn't he get a job? Instead of to have compassion. Oh, he's having trouble finding a job. Oh, I'm so sorry. I wish I could help. You know, they don't want us thinking in that way. So I would ask anyone listening to this broadcast who's like me, who's interested in starting a community, because I really, really want to start alternative communities. And I'm really excited about freedomcells.org and the greaterreset.org um, and, and the work that they're doing. But I, I would ask us all who want to do this, to stop and think about how we have been conditioned to be hostile to each other, to be afraid of each other, distrustful, and to live up to those negative qualities. You know, we need to be the kinds of people other people can trust. You know, we need to be, we really do need to be the change we wish to see in the world. And I like on the greaterreset.org, um, it was mentioned kindness. One of the one of the people they interviewed again. I can't get access to my notes um, since my computer um, crashed. But I like this idea: the challenge of being kind. Can we be kind as kind as we possibly can be? Can we take on this challenge of trying to be kinder? Can I? I'm going to be kinder than you. <laughs> no, I'm a kind kinder than you. No, I'm I'm a kinder person than you are. Let's try that. Let's try being kind to each other and supportive of each other because that's how we start forming our own communities. That's the first step in getting these communities going. And remember, we need to live up to it. We need to be the kind of people other people will trust as well as be able to trust others. And it's hard because there are a lot of untrustworthy people too, right? We do need to be a little bit on our guard sometimes. So I think... You know, um, it, it's tough, but I got to tell you, throughout my life, you know, throughout my whole life, I've had a lot of friends who came from immigrant families for this reason. I'm starting to realize that immigrants are just so much nicer than Americans. I mean, I found it to be true many, many times, and I've become a very anti-American American, you know, really in a lot of ways, just very having a very negative attitude towards my own country because I've just found over and over again that people from other countries are so much nicer than the average American is. And that's that's a sad thing. That's a sad statement, but maybe this is this is this can be a part of our greater reset as we can change that now and realize we've been brainwashed. You know, we have. We've all been conditioned, myself included, you know, conditioned to think in a certain way that is hostile towards our fellow human being because they want us to rely on them. They want us to think that millionaires, well, multi-millionaires and billionaires and maybe even trillionaires are going to save us. They don't want us to save each other. They don't want us to be like this little immigrant kid in my, in my neighborhood who stopped to help me. They don't want us to help each other. 
you know they don't want that they'd rather we be alone and isolated and marginalized and there's nobody to call for help nobody you know you know because we're all just out for ourselves you know it's what's in it for me you know it's all about me you know um and that's just not satisfying here's the other thing it feels so good to help another person it really does I gotta tell you and it brings you out of your loneliness if you're feeling lonely and marginalized and isolated with all these lockdowns and things like that I gotta tell you reaching out to someone else helping someone else there's probably somebody in your community who's elderly or disabled or scared and there's something you can do for them maybe do some grocery shopping for them cook a meal for them you know uh, mow their lawn or shovel their snow I mean there's probably something you can do to reach out to help that person that will totally make that person's day and it'll make you feel good too and it's a way of connecting you know I think we need to stop and think about how this rugged individualism this extreme selfishness and judging other people and making assumptions about people who are less fortunate than we are and just assuming that they're not working hard enough or they have a bad attitude or they're mentally ill or crazy or drug addicted whatever Stop and think about how we are being taught to judge each other like that so that we're alone and marginalized and then we become very, very lonely um, and isolated. And, and this is a way of bringing ourselves out from that loneliness. We need to connect to each other and start helping each other again. You know, no one can do it on their own. I don't care how many guns you have. I don't care how big your farm is, you know, you're growing food. What happens if the government steps in and says you can't legally grow your own food? What are you going to do then? What happens if the government steps in and tries to take your house, take your farm? We need communities. We need Our only strength is in numbers. So let's let go of the rugged individualism nonsense. That's an ego trip. It really is. Let's let go of that. Let's let go of that ego. Let go of it. <laughs> I'm a yoga, I'm a yogi, yogini, I practice yoga. Let go, let go of the ego and start thinking about how we're all connected. We can love each other, we can support each other and see how we're all connected. We need to protect people who are growing their own food because we're going to need them and they're going to need us. We need to learn to cooperate again, to come together again as people to love each other and practice kind, kindness and compassion and empathy again. That's where we need to head, starting now, starting right now. And I am running out of time. And I hope this podcast records because I just spent an hour doing this. <laughs> Thank you so much, my wonderful Invisible listeners. You can find my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash haunted gypsy, I believe, is my Patreon fm forward slash occupy your mind if you want to check out my music uh facebook haunted gypsy on facebook uh, minds i'm on minds.com i think it's maria haunted gypsy um i'm on a lot of places but um, i do so appreciate your your listening and hope that you can uh, support the show in some capacity get your friends to listen share it like it Leave a nice comment. I'm going to leave you with a musical interlude. And 
wish you a wonderful rest of your day and a wonderful rest of your life. And remember to occupy your mind. And let's start practicing kindness, random acts of kindness, and forming communities through kindness. Thank you.